Are you a shameless shameless? Do you have any shame at all? Because you know what? Jesus said we should be a shameless people. First of all, he has taken away our sin and our shame. Would anyone say amen? amen? First of all, there's that. Second of all, we should be shameless in our approach, in our pursuit of the things that God wants for our lives. Would anyone say amen? amen. We should be a people who stick to the road, stick to the path, and stick to the way. Are you with me? Yes. Okay, I want to talk to you today about being a shameless person. When I was a young teenager, I was shameless, but not in the best possible sense. I was shameless in the bad sense. And I'm going to tell you half a dozen. No, I'm not going to tell you any stories about the young shameless O'Donovan. You're not going to hear any of those. I want to look today at the scriptures. I'm going to be looking at a passage of scripture from Luke's gospel chapter 11. I'm going to be picking up the story from where I was speaking last week when I was talking about one thing. Jesus said there's only one thing that is worth chasing and worth pursuing and that is God's kingdom, God's presence and God's blessing. That's it. God's kingdom, God's presence, God's blessing. In actual fact I was talking about from Luke's gospel chapter 10 and I was using the example from Luke's gospel chapter 10 and most of you will know it and this is just the briefest of recaps. The story of Martha and Mary and how Martha was so switched on and 100% organized and Mary was so like hey baby everything was fine with the bowl with the bowl. Mary she was so easy going and then they have this discussion where Martha says, Lord, why don't you tell Mary to help me because I'm very busy here. And this was the Lord's response. But the Lord said to Martha, dear Martha, you are worried about all these details. You are distracted with so many different things. And he goes on to say, but only one thing is worth being concerned about. Mary has chosen it. Mary has made a decision to choose it and it will not be taken away from her. If you choose the kingdom of God first, it will not be taken away from you. Amen. If you choose God's blessing in your life, it will not be taken away from you. Amen. This is what Jesus himself said in, in Matthew's gospel. You know the story from the Sermon on the Mount. When he's telling the story about look at all that your father in heaven. And that's a key word. Father in heaven does for you. Look what your father in heaven does for the birds of the field. The flowers of the field. The birds of the air. Look what he does. And then he says this. Don't be worried about all the things that everybody else is worried about. Don't be thinking and worried about the things that everybody else is worried about. But this is what he said. He said the thing you should want most is God's kingdom. And, what, and doing what God wants. And then all the other things you need will be given to you. Amen. Amen. Put God first and he looks after the rest because he is your father in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Shameless. Are you a shameless? Shameless. Jesus carried on straight out of this story and he carried on to talk about how it is that we seek the kingdom of God. How it is that we pursue God. How it is that we pray. And it picks up here in Luke's gospel chapter, literally picking up at the next verse. May God bless us as we read his word today. In Jesus' name and God's people say, Amen. Amen. One day, when Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. John taught them, you teach us. Pretty reasonable. Jesus said, fantastic, fantastic. This, he says, is how you should pray. And in the original Greek, it actually says, when you pray, you should say. 
No, I'll tell you something. It's a great way to start your day. And it's starting to rhyme now. Every day, this is the way to start your day. You can start pray and pray. The best way to pray, start your day by simply praying what we used to call the Our Father, because I'm from the Roman Catholic tradition, but what many people from the non-Roman Catholic tradition call the Lord's Prayer. And this is the prayer that Jesus gives to them. And I want to look at it for just one second, because I think it's worthwhile. This is Jesus goes on to say this. He says, this then is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Would anyone say amen? amen? We need the kingdom of God to come soon. Planet Earth needs the kingdom of God to come visibly as soon as possible. But he starts off by this. When you pray, you start off like this. Father. What does that mean if you call someone father? It means you are what? You are their child. You are their son. You are their daughter. That's what it means. So if you address God as father, it means you are acknowledging that you are a child of God. No, when we talk about being a child of God, there used to be saying in Cork, so we're all God's children. We're not all God's children, okay? Just for what it's worth, we are all God's creation, but we are not all God's children. John's Gospel, chapter 1, says this. To all who believed in him and called upon his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. John's Gospel, chapter 1, look it up. That's how you become a child of God, by accepting him and believing in his name. Do you believe in his name today? Then you are a child of God. And then this is good news for you. He starts off, Father, may your name be kept holy. What does that mean? Hallowed be your name. What does that mean? This is what it means. The Old Testament names of God expressed who his character was. So if I tell you, my name is Michael. It's a Hebrew word, which means who is like God. There is a rhetorical name. It means nothing about my character because we just pick names nowadays. Now, sometimes names can have meaning, as we know, but most of the time we just have names and they don't have any particular import for our character but God's name is all about his character so when he talks in the Old Testament when you read the Old Testament and you read the names of God the first name that God is called by in the Old Testament is Elohim in the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth so there's Elohim El Shaddai Adonai Yahweh and then the probably the best one the one I like the most the one that that the Lord said to Moses to, that he was to call him I am that I am I am always, I always exist, I will never stop existing. And the point about all of these names was this, God is completely sufficient within himself. He is completely full in himself. That's what it means. God doesn't need anything from anyone. He created everything that is seen and his character is to be self-sufficient and to overflow. One writer put it this way, thought it was really excellent. He said, the devil is a carnivore, is empty and wants to be filled. Yeah? yeah? God is full and he wants to overflow. Hallelujah. That's what God wants to do. He wants to overflow. So when it says, may your name be kept holy, what that means is, may we remember who you are. All the time, may we remember who you are. So when David says in Psalm 23 verse 1, The Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because Yahweh, the all-sufficient one, is my shepherd. Are you with me? So far, so good. And then Jesus spells out two more, as it were, clauses or two more parts of this prayer. He goes on to say this. He says, give us each day the food we need. 
and forgive us our sins. Goes on to say this, as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us give in to temptation. But the latter part of this prayer flows from the first part of the prayer. Are you with me? Because God is our Father, we want His kingdom to come in our lives. Amen? Amen. Yeah? We want His will to be done. Yes? I hope we do. We want His will to be done. And what is His will? His will is to give us the food we need to forgive our sins as we forgive others and to not let us yield to temptation but to deliver us from evil. Amen? Amen. So it is God's will that we should know His presence we should know his purpose, his will. We should know his provision, bread. And we should know his power that we are protected and not driven in to sin and temptation. Amen? Okay, so thanks for the lesson, Michael. That's very good. What has this got to do with about being shameless? Well, then, then Jesus introduces the character of shameless, shameless. Because, and I'm sure, just picking an Irish name, shameless is the Irish for James, in case you're wondering. Shameless, shameless. Will you say it with me? Shameless, shameless. Good. Shameless, shameless. He introduces this character. And then Jesus says this. He goes on to tell a story. He says, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Now, the thing about a parable is not to get too bogged down the detail, but to see the overall lesson. I doubt that anybody here has ever gone to their friend's house at midnight to borrow three loaves of bread. But you might have gone to borrow his jump leads because your car is broken down. You might have gone to borrow 50 euro to pay the cab that you go home but forgot you didn't have money to pay for. You probably have done something along those lines. So that's the thing. Don't get too hung up on the bread, even though the bread is significant because it speaks of provision. But anyway, moving on. And you say to him, a friend of mine has just visited and I have nothing for him to eat. And he goes on to say, and suppose he calls up from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. I'm not going to help you. Listen, it's too much hassle. I'm in bed. So I want you to paint a picture. Imagine I call to Tom's house at midnight. I've never called to Tom's house at midnight. I've been there at midnight plenty of times, but I've never called at midnight. Okay? So imagine I call to Tom's house at midnight and I knock on the door and I say, Comrade! Comrade! He says, What? Who's that? Comrade, it's me! He says, Ah, comrade, how are you? He says, I need a load of 500 euros. And Tom says, I'm in bed. The door is locked. Go home, Donovan. Go home. He called me Donovan and comrade up and I asked him for a loan. You see, that's what happens. You know, that's what happened to your friends. You summoned your friend up and you ask him for something, then they suddenly became, hey, you. Did you ever notice that? You change in character. Just imagine, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help him. Jesus goes on to say this, but I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake. Are you still my friend or what? Like, comrade, I'll answer 500 quid. Like. If you keep on knocking long enough, he will give you whatever you want, whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Yeah. Even your friends will give you what you want if you keep on asking them. Yeah. And the reason I use shameless, shameless in this situation is because, in my opinion, shameless is definitely not Irish. This guy cannot be Irish to keep on knocking. You see, because the Irish, we give up way too easily. Don't we? Yes. Like we're too apologetic altogether. I knew a guy one time. He was a friend of mine, Christian friend of mine. He sent me a text. This is no lie. He sent me in a text to apologize for something. He said, I'm sorry for, for saying, or sorry for not saying something to you earlier. And anyway, God bless. And then he, sent an then he sent an apology for the apology to say, sorry for texting you so late, by the way. 
That's Ireland. Like, we apologise for apologising. And then another time, another time, he said, I said, he did something for me and I sent him a message and said, hey, Bob, hey, Bob, thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. He sends back a message and says, thanks for the thanks. What? <laughs> No, you're not supposed to say thanks for the thanks. Like, I know some, some crazy etiquette out there. And so the Irish guy knocks at the door, and the friend says, I'm in bed. And the Irish fellow says, Oh, I'm really sorry. No, I'll never knock at your door again. I'm an awful idiot. I'll never call at your door again. Sorry. But when the South African shows up at the door, I want the bread. Give it to me now. And his friend in bed says, I am in bed, friend. I cannot give you the bread now. And he says, I don't care. I want the bread now. But I am in bed and my family are in bed. It is too late. And he says, I don't care. I want the bread now. The South African is going to get the bread. Yeah? I mean, the South African. If Kevin Ryan, just Kevin, he's the biggest South African I know. If Kevin Ryan knocked at my door, in the middle of the night asking for anything, he's getting it, do you know what I'm saying? We give up too easily. The Germans don't give up too easily. You just want a loaf of bread, boy, can't you know? But the Irish, I hate to be an awful ass, I'm tired for real. It's an awful thing to do. Not nothing to do in the middle of the night, but I'm really desperately, I'm really, really, really sorry. Oh, for the love of Michael. We're not shameless enough. We need to be shameless. That's what Jesus said. And do you know something? I give up too easily. Until you really want something. Do you know when you're calling somebody you really want something and you ring the bell, bing bong, you know they hear it, you know you hear it, they, everyone hears it, they don't answer. Bing bong, we keep on ringing again and we ring again because we go bing bong, bing bong, bing bong, bing bong. Because we want something enough. If you want a girl to go out with your brothers, provided you're not married already, I just... If you want a girl, you need to be persistent enough, amen? amen. Would any of the sisters say amen? Amen. amen. Let us pray. You need to be persistent. What's going to happen? Jesus is talking about praying. He's basically saying, pray and don't be giving up so flipping easily. Flippin' is, is from the Hebrew, meaning persistent. <laughs> Don't give up so easily, he's saying. Because you give up too easy. We give up too easy. What happens when we pray? Do you know what you ever notice? Do you know when you're going to pray? Just you, you remember everything. You remember what the United Nations are doing. All of a sudden, you're going into prayer. Suddenly, you remember the craziest things. But what can you expect when you pray? Here's some things that you can expect when you pray. You can expect doubts. That happens. Christians doubt all the time. In actual fact, to quote Tim Keller, fantastic writer, he said, he said, a faith without doubts is like a body without antibodies. Because you'll never build up immunity to the experiences of life if you don't experience some degree of doubt and figure out what God has to say about your situation. Are you with me? You have to figure it out. Here's another thing you're going you're gonna to suffer from. Distractions. You're going to be distracted. Why is it that when I go to pray, that's when I remember that I've plugged the bins? Or I just remember, oh no, I never paid that bill. Or I go into pray and I get on my knees and I go, Lord, oh, I forgot to pay Tom back the 500 euros. <laughs> we leave it till another time. Isn't it amazing you go in and you remember everything? You remember everything and you're distracted. Here's another thing you're going to suffer from delays. We don't get everything we want when we want it. God is not McDonald's. Would anyone say amen? Yeah. He is not McDonald's. 
he actually cares about you. Big Tech are going to take me down for that one. Said, I'm going to be cancelled. Anyway, you're going to suffer delays. How long, O oh Lord? Said, said, said the, uh, the psalmist David. He said, how long, O oh Lord? Must you, will you forget me forever? Are you not hearing my prayers? Do you forget where I am? Do you forget my situation? How long? Well, with disappointment, sometimes we pray and the thing we pray for doesn't work out. Lord, I prayed for that job. And I went into the job and they said, you're useless, you're not getting the job. Or I prayed and I fasted and then I got a letter that said, thank you for your application, we'll keep it on file. <laughs> you know you're not getting the job, you will suffer disappointments when you pray, because sometimes the things we pray for don't happen. But ultimately this happens when we pray. If we pray rightly, we get delivery on the things we pray for. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says this. John says, when we pray... We will receive what we ask for. If we are asking according to the will of God, we know that we have received what we've asked for. And that comes all the way back to God being our Father. That comes all the way back to God being our Father. What does the will of the Father, what is the will of the Father? What is the good thing that God wants to put into my life? What is that? Because I should be praying for that. Amen. Amen. Now we know he's going to provide for us. Amen. Amen. We know he's going to protect us. Amen. Yes. Amen. We know he's going to give us his presence. Amen. Amen. We know he's going to give us his purpose. Amen. Amen. He's going to give our lives a point as it were. And so therefore we have confidence when we pray, when we know what God wants for our lives, that we can pray for those things and see them come to pass. It may not be the job exactly the one you're applying for. No, but I'll tell you this, keep on applying and you'll get a job. Amen. Amen. Hey, Jesus said this then. Back to shameless, shameless. This is what Jesus said. He said, so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. Would anyone say amen over the tongue? This is a good news story, brothers and sisters. He says, keep on asking. Let me continue on. He goes on to say this. For everyone who asks, everyone who asks, everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who seeks, finds. Finds. If you're here today and you're seeking God, or you're seeking God's influence or God's kingdom, God's salvation and God's forgiveness. Everyone who seeks finds. Hallelujah. Amen. God wants that for you too. Praise God. Amen. And to everyone who knocks. The door will be opened. Amen. Not the Irish. No. Nah. You get yourself a good set. That's what I can knock. That's what you need. That's the knock. That will be answered. But there's something else going on here, believe it or not. There's a, an expert Jesus is saying, hallelujah, that's a wonderful faith thing to say. Jesus, but I didn't get everything that I wanted. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. There's something else going on here, and this is it. This statement that Jesus is making, that if you ask, you will, you ask, you will find, ask, you will receive, seek, you will find, nothing, the door will be opened, because everyone who asks, receives, everyone who seeks, finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. When Jesus says that, he's saying something that is true in faith, in probability and in logic. And in logic. This 
is an amazingly true statement if you just look at life as a normal thing. If you want that girl to go out with you, the more often you ask her, the more likely she is to go out with you. Or call the guards. One of the two is definitely going to happen. So let's move on from that example for a moment. You want a job. Don't be, what if you say, I want a specific job. Lord, I want to work in the pharmaceutical industry. That okay? That okay? Think it? I want to work in the pharmaceutical industry. And you keep on applying for jobs in the pharmaceutical industry. Do you know something that the probability of you getting a job in the pharmaceutical industry, if you keep on applying and applying and applying, are way higher than if you sit at home and say, someday Pfizer are going to ring me. No, that's not going to happen. The chances of you accidentally falling upon God's blessing are very, very, very remote indeed. You have to seek it. You have to pursue it. You have to go after it. I knew a girl who used to come here to Grace Church years ago, back when we were over in Deer Park. And she, she, she decided she wanted to be a doctor. But she applied to, uh, to do the course in being a doctor in Ireland. She didn't get enough points in the, in the system. And the system basically said, no, you can't be a doctor in this country. So she said, well, not to be deterred, she decided she would go overseas. And she went to another country, did a series of entry courses, got into a medical course overseas. And do you know what that girl is today? She's a doctor. Amen. She didn't give up. She persisted. And she stayed after and kept going after what it was that she really knew God wanted for her and she persisted in it and she kept on shamelessly asking for it to pass, to come into her life. But Jesus finishes off the statement. So you're going to go, hang on a second, everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone knocks, the door will be opened. Well, how's about this? What if we ask, but we receive what God wants us to give? Wants to give us, he said it the wrong way around. What if we knock, but God opens the door that he wants for us to open. That he wants for us to open. Are you with me? Yeah. What if we seek, but God helps us to find what it is that will give us life. Because he is our... So let me, let me put it this way to you. Let me put it this way to you. My children, right? If they came to me as their father, since they were small, and they, said to, and they asked me for something. If I was to give my children every single thing they asked for, I would be an awful dad, I can tell you that. Because they would ask for things that would do them harm, that would damage them, that would hurt them in the long run, and wouldn't do them well. And that is when we come all the way back to God being good. Are you with me? We make our way all the way back to God being good. Good, because as a father, I want to give to my children, or did, I don't give them any more, I give them a bit, a long story, um, I gave them what was good for them. But there's another thing just before I get to that that's really important. When my children were learning to ride the bike, I think of my youngest lad, Rory, he's six foot whatever he is now, he's looking down on top of me in every sense of the word. And when he learned to ride the bike, I remember he was cycling up and down our driveway at home, and I pushed him and he started, and he fell off the bike. Now imagine if we said, Rory, you're useless, forget about it, you'll never ride a bike, just forget about it and just, just, just go away. He would never get up and ride a bike. Rory was not here, spirit determined he was always going to ride a bike. That was never going to be an issue. Or if you watched your child, I mean, even little Cora there. So I'm not using an example of Cora, but, but you know a child, they're like 10, 11 months old and they're learning to walk. And they're like, yeah. What do they always do the first time they try walking? They, they fall, that's right, they fall. But can imagine if they just gave up and said, that's it, I'm going to crawl for the rest of my life. <laughs> 42 years of age, crawling around in the ground. 
No, we try again, and that's how we grow, brothers and sisters. We grow by trying again. How do we build muscles? How do we become fit? How do we build strong minds and strong relationships? We persist, we stick, we work at it. Good for you. Hey, when I and my kids were small, we always made sure they ate their vegetables. Did you do that to your, parents, to your children? I'm sure you did. Yes. Most parents do. Do you know why I did that? I did it because I hate my children. I want them to be unhappy. That's why I did it. Because I said the discipline of eating broccoli will do you good. That's why I made them. No, I got them to eat their vegetables because their vegetables were good for them. Hallelujah. Are you with me now? Yes. Do you see where I'm going? God gives us what is good for us. Can you, if I was to get every prayer that I've ever prayed answered, oh lads, I would be ruined. Not only that, here's a thought. Imagine every prayer you ever prayed was answered completely. Just for a second, imagine what that world would be like. Do you know who'd want you taken out at the moment? Vladimir Putin. Do you know why? Because he'd be afraid that you're going to start praying for Ukraine. Oh no, we must kill Michael. He is praying for Ukraine again. You couldn't have it. He wants you wiped out. Or imagine if, imagine if the Chinese figured out that you were praying for America. What? We must have Michael execute God. God hears his prayers all the time. Imagine this. Sorry, I learned, I learned my Chinese from martial arts movies, as you can tell. Very fluent in martial arts. Are you with me? So there are things that are withheld from us because they are good for us. And God gives us what is good for us. Here he actually, Jesus says this. He says, you fathers, if your child asks for a fish, do you give him a snake instead? No. Dad, here's this. Dad, I'd love a fish. No, have a snake. <laughs> Look, it's got a rattle. <laughs> no, you wouldn't do that. Because you wouldn't do what's bad for your child. Or if they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Hello, surprise, I got you a scorpion. No, you wouldn't. And you're, and like, we're not good, not in the biblical sense of God's goodness. We're kind of okay parents, we're okay fathers and mothers and parents, and so are your parents, and some of them are good, and don't even go there. But you wouldn't give them something that was bad for them. So when you ask, and you say, Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your character is to fill me with things that are good. The psalmist said, God, he will withhold no good thing from him whose heart trusts in him. Jesus, or the psalmist of Psalm 27, I think it's 27.4 says, God grants the desires of the hearts of those that delight themselves in him. He gives them the good things they need to live the life he's called them to live. Amen. Yes. Do you want the good things of God? Yes. Do you want the good things of God more than the things that you imagine are good? Hmm, come back to that one, won't I? Okay, we're going to close in prayer this morning and say, we'll come back to that one, Lord. He goes on to say this, so if you sinful people know how to give good, and we're all sinful by the way, just the record, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? 
The Holy Spirit represents the wisdom and the power and the insight and the knowledge of God. That's what that Holy Spirit represents. It represents even more. It's not just the gifts, it's also the fruits, but it's also the insight and the wisdom of God. Imagine praying and being led by God in the things that we should pray, because that's precisely what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. He says, we don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit within us prays in accordance with the will of God, with groans that we can't even utter. He says, God is at work, even when I don't know what I'm praying for. God is still communicating through me because His Spirit is in me. But we have to wake up and we have to stir up that Spirit, brothers and sisters. We have to wake up and we have to stir up that Spirit. Do you want to wake up and stir up that Spirit in you? Paul gives it something, gives a specific thing. He talks specifically about the Spirit of Jesus at work inside us. The Holy Spirit, same Spirit, this is what he's talking about. Here's what he says in Galatians chapter 4. He says, because we are his children, God has sent his, the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. To prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. And I love it. Paul uses the Aramaic word, which literally means dad. Which prompts us to call out, you might say, Papa. You might say, Daddy. You might say, Dad. But that's the spirit inside us that is prompted. Now, this morning I know that as I'm speaking... I know there are some people here you feel like you're going to give up on praying for the things that you've been praying for. I want to say to you today, don't give up. But let God's Holy Spirit lead you and strengthen you in continuing to pray and continuing to seek God's best. Will anyone say amen? I want to say to some others this morning, we're going to pray in a moment that God would stir up in us the spirit by which we cry, Abba, Father. Because when that spirit is stirred up and it is speaking, it is speaking in the words of God, by the will of God and for the purposes of God in our lives. And I don't know about you, I don't know what's best for me, but I know who knows what is best for me. El Shaddai, Adonai, Elohim, Yahweh, I am that I am.